Suicide, the necessary conversation. When someone dies by suicide, the impact on their family and friends can be devastating. The effects of losing that person can also reach outwardly into the community, impacting coworkers, church members, classmates, teachers, and so many more. In today's episode, we'll take a close look at suicide and the ripple effects it has on society. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to Sister Friends Cups and Conversation. I'm your host, Teresa Cooper, and I'm glad that you've joined us today. Uh, I have with me again my co-host, Catherine Young. Hello. Glad to be here again. Yes. And then our first time uh, guest today, Miss Courtney Bledsoe. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Courtney, where do you work? I'm a licensed mental health professional at... Superior Counseling Services. Yes. So Courtney is our professional at the table today. And then we also have a returning uh, guest, uh, Ms. Caitlin Redding. Yes. Hello. Thank you for having me again. Oh, it's good to be here. I just love that red hair. It's so stunning. <laughs> Thank you. <It's> stunning. <laughs> Thank and uh, Caitlin, you work at? Care Pregnancy Center. I'm the Outreach and Education Director. All righty. So this is a, a well-informed table, some great ladies, and uh, we didn't even coordinate our outfits today, <laughs> but we were all thinking the same thing, and uh, except for Miss <laughs> Catherine, yes. But she's, she's the wild card at the table. <laughs> Always, yes, the wild card at the table. So um, our cup for today is uh, this sunflower cup which I absolutely love, and it goes with our outfit. And it's sunflowers, it's summertime, and, you know, ladies, yellow uh, makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I'm, you know, feeling in a mood or feeling some kind of way, you know, I'll just get in a yellow room, get a yellow cup, put on some yellow. It always does the job. It makes me happy. So this is our cup for today, Sister Friends Cups and Conversation. Now, today we're going to be having a very serious conversation. Uh, we're going to be talking about suicide, and it's the conversation that we've, we've got to have, ladies. Yes. And it's one of those conversations. This is season four, and I knew it was going to be on the list, but I kind of, you know, how you put it off and you put it off. And um, but this is today's the day to talk about it. It's a it's a necessary conversation and we've got to have it. And one of the reasons why um, I wanted to talk about suicide was because I, I was feeling a real heavy burden and a, just a heaviness over how much it's happening yes. and how it's becoming more and more common. And and not just how um, it's happening more and more, but just just how many people are just hurting right now. And especially as we're in this pandemic, um, they say that uh, suicide, the calls to the suicide hot, hotlines have increased um, by hundreds of percentages. Yes. Um, it, it hasn't doubled. I mean, it's yes. it has tripled. Yeah. And, and, and so people are just really hurting right now. And so I wanted to talk about it. And because I, I had a dear friend um, that passed away and she was just the loveliest lady. I mean, just a real delicate um, and when I mean delicate, she was always in her femininity mm -hmm. yes. and she was always lace and she was just always just the perfect picture. 
And she went through uh, a season where she was in chronic pain. She had some type of accident. I'm not for sure. I can't remember exactly. But she got in a situation where she was in just horrific pain all the time. And that pain, um, she was successful in her everyday life. She had raised her children. Just a beautiful woman. And she made a decision one day to go into her garage and she hung herself. And I never could quite get over that because I just couldn't imagine this kind lady that was always sunshine to everybody whenever you saw her. What state of mind or what level of pain could she have really been in that she literally put a rope around her neck and hung herself? And I've always um, thought about her over the years, every time. And then I had a nephew um, here recently over the years. Um, he committed suicide. And so I've, I've seen it up close and personal. And um, I think as a, as a pastor and as a Christian, it's one of those things that where sometimes we say the wrong things or we don't know what to say or we, we feel like we have to have an answer. Um, and you may be watching and you, you've had a personal experience and, and you've not talked about it because you don't know the, the right thing to say. And you've struggled with you know, the right thing to say. And so you don't say anything. But one of the things that I've learned and we're learning as a society is that we've got to talk about it. It can't just be stuff that we talk about in the privacy of our homes or in the privacy of our bedrooms, but we have to have open conversations about it. You know, so um, Miss Caitlin, uh, I know you've had a personal experience. Can you share with us? Of course. Um, so my older brother committed suicide. Um, he was 24 whenever he committed suicide. Um, we always knew that he had um, just anger problems. And okay. I remember his, you know, really getting my firsthand experience knowing that my brother had suicidal thoughts whenever I was in sixth grade. Um, walk home from school from the, sc the bus stop and he had a gun asking if I wanted to be an only child. And so, you know, I always knew that he had this, um, just this heavy burden on him. Um, he had depression, he had fits of anger, but, you know, anytime that my parents asked him to talk to a counselor or, you know, get help, he refused. And I okay. think, you know, living in the South, you know, that tough guy thing, you yeah. know, there's a stigma part of seeking help when you need it. And so um, a day after my um, 19th birthday, um, he committed suicide. Mm -hmm. um, and what's crazy about the, the whole scenario is um, I was getting my nails done with a friend of mine and my grandma calls me and tells me that I need to come home and I can't explain it other than the Lord, but I already knew why I needed yeah. to come home. Um, something about the way that she sounded, just something yeah. told me. And so my friend was telling me, like, oh, like, you're just being crazy. Like, I'm sure everything is fine. They probably planned a surprise party for you. Um, and on my way home, I was just crying because I already knew. Yeah. And so I turned down the street. It was a dead-end street, and I see all the cars in our driveway. And to be honest, you know, it's like I blanked that part of my yeah, life. Yes. Um, you know, I just completely like 
blacked out almost, um, that whole memory. And so um, that was obviously very devastating for our family. Um, You know, it was just my brother and I. Um, And so it really did just put this huge just heartbreak on my parents and I. Yeah. Yeah. But um, really the Lord is great because through that heartache, um, it it ended up bringing our family closer. Um, I did not have a relationship, a good relationship with my parents. Um, We fought all the time, like cats and dogs. I was a freshman in college going into my sophomore year. And, um, and so through that devastation, it ended up being a healing opportunity for my parents and I, but I, you know, wish it would have been done through easier methods, but but yes. Yeah. So, um, I heard, you you know, you mentioned that it definitely changed the trajectory of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, but then having that sense of knowing, I think, because you knew your brother was already having right. ongoing um, issues. And I think, Miss um, Courtney, can you speak to that? Because I think a lot of times mm-hmm. what happens is when we um, encounter or we hear about different um, people that have committed suicide, the first, for some people, it's either, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And then there's another group of people that, that are more like, well, we kind of thought something was wrong mm-hmm. or we saw signs. Is it typical that um, there are certain signs that we can all pay attention to, or is it just as that, where it's just it's something that it just happens, it comes out of nowhere? What are your professional thoughts on that? So there are signs, um, depression, uh, alcohol and drug uh, abuse, uh, negativity, uh, that constant uh, sense of hopelessness or that negative self-talk, um, estrangement being estranged from uh, family members, okay. having strained relationships, mm-hmm. uh, things of that nature. Even revenge, uh, to get back at someone, yeah. uh, things of that nature. When you hear these talks uh, or these statements from your loved ones or from your friends, these are definite indicators that you know there may be some suicidal ideations going on, mm-hmm. meaning suicidal thoughts. Um, not necessarily attempts or plans, but mm-hmm. even just the thought. Um, and so you have to take those statements seriously. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he's just saying it. Mm-hmm. No, there may be the time that the definite time that he's actually saying, yeah, yes. this is it. Right. You know, statistically, um, it says that suicide is the second leading cause of death among 10 year olds to 19 year olds. I know I'm still mm-hmm. shocked at the, the, the victims are younger and younger. Yes. And so from among. 10 years to 19 years old, um, it's the second uh, cause of death. And so it's, it's really important that even though our kids are having, you know, what, what we would call normal childhood, yes. you know, reactions or responses, mm-hmm. in between there, um, there is that thief. Because I, I believe a suicide is a thief. Yes. It just, it literally, it steals, yes. you know, it literally snatches someone out um, before it's time. And in in between those adolescent behaviors, uh, puberty starting, there you can be sure that it's lurking somewhere. You know what I mean. And so it's so important that parents um, stay informed and not just be in the uh, in the uninformed category. Yes. You know what I mean. Or just even thinking that it can't happen to us. Right. Or we different. We're not depressed. What happens is um, I worked in the military. My husband retired and. I worked on base. Okay. And so anything that would happen culturally, 
the military always had training for it. So on base, suicides were happening a lot. So you think up here in the Pentagons, they were getting stuff together. And then everyone, it was mandatory training because after it happened so much, they want to make sure the military people get it because a lot of them are killing themselves. You read articles now, they're killing themselves. But what is happening is when they trained us, they said usually that these people that, that that's really intentional because you have some that's, that want attention. But the ones who re who's really intentional, usually they won't say much. They start giving things away that's important to them. Okay. You know, like take this. And you know that person loves that. Yeah. And then they, they're quiet. And then they're the life of the party. And then all of a sudden they're gone like that. Yeah. And I was like, that is so odd. And then they do intentional things that they know they will die. Okay. You know, and I was more like, like risk takers. Yeah. Like okay. if I know if I jump off this cliff, I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. But if I take these pills, I could also die. But I, it could help me get attention, too. Right. So they taught us the different paths of what to look for. And it's also it all could be in the suicide realm. Mm -hmm. But to pay attention to those small things. Right. OK, mm -hmm. so that's a lot to unpack. So not yes. only is it just pain, yes. but it's different types of pain. Yes. Um, Pain that manifests um, through rebellion, yes. pain that manifests through um, being um, attention seekers, yes. um, through uh, risk taking yes. and doing things that are, are are that you know that could cause you bodily harm. Right. Um, that's a lot. It is. You know what I mean? And um, how did uh, I know you? Obviously, I heard you say it was the Lord that really walked you all through right. um, the process, and and. Um, when you said you just somewhere deep inside, you kind of knew yeah. when the phone call, um, do you attribute that to, um, the Lord just, you know, stealing you and calming you to yeah. let you know that, you know, this is what's getting, this is what you're getting ready to walk into. Right. So what I think is kind of, um, interesting, um, I wasn't walking with the Lord whenever my brother committed suicide, but, um, I had had experiences, but I, I didn't truly like give my whole heart yeah. to the Lord. And so um, whenever I got that phone call and I just knew, it's almost like the first moment that I really felt like the Lord knew who I was, yeah. that wow. the Lord okay. like was preparing me for that, um, that situation. Um, because, you know, as a, as a daughter, seeing my parents go through losing you know, my sibling, their, their firstborn child, that's a unique experience. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like the Lord was preparing me for the coming years where I would see a weakness in my parents that mm -hmm. I never before experienced. And so it was kind of a way, you know, and again, I didn't come to really give my heart to Christ until several years after that. And so okay. it was, um, it was kind of like a slow molding mm -hmm. in a way of how he, um, he just prepared me for that, that next chapter of my life. Um, and so, you know, like I said, I really think that the Lord, um, you know, the, the family that's left behind, um, he's 100% there. And so it feels awful. You know, there's yeah. a, there's a huge pain that's a part of it, but the Lord really does. Um, for me, he softened that blow so much by, um, just making his presence known in that situation. And like I said, just really coming alongside my family for this healing that 
you know, I'm sure would have come later down the road, but it came through a tragedy. And mm-hmm. that's how he, you know, he put our family back together. And there's been opportunities throughout the years um, that, you know, my mom, my dad, myself have come to know other people who were either struggling with suicide, you know, thoughts yeah, themselves yeah. or, you know, a family member or whatever it is. And, you know, he just trained us up through that season in order to do that. Yeah. Now, did your brother, um, did he verbally ever say things like, I don't want to be here, I'm going to, you know, or threaten that he would, you know, um, kill himself? So my brother had, um, like I said, just these fits of rage. Um, And so, you know, our family, there's nothing ever diagnosed as far as a mental health diagnosis, but we've really speculated as far as, um, you know, did he have bipolar disorder? Was there something going on? And so he would sometimes say these things, you know, and like I said, whenever I was very young, I was in sixth grade and, you know, I walk in the door and he has this gun in his hand saying like, do you want to be an only child and things like that. And so um, throughout the years, he would make these comments here and there, but he was so stubborn that he would not, he would not seek help no matter what my parents tried to do. And um, anytime that they would try to like draw that hard line in the sand of, you know, this is what we want you to do. um, You know, he would leave or, you know, he would just, you know, he would refuse. So stubborn. (laughs) Let me me ask a question Mm -hmm. real quick before I forget. So I know a family that had a suicide in their family Mm -hmm. and it tore the family apart. Mm -hmm. The marriage was dissolved. Was it ever a time of anger? You should have did this. You should have paid attention more, you know, where it could really come in and just tear the family apart. And I hear you saying how God really kept the family together because this family was actually a Christian family, too. So if I'm, you know, being honest with myself, there were moments where, you know, I wanted to blame my parents for not forcing my brother to go into help and things like that. But um, honestly, like what it fell back on and, you know, everyone is different um, and I'm by no means like the model example of a daughter, but what I would have those thoughts and then I would immediately feel just like so much compassion for my parents, you know, it would fall back on, you know, they were 16 and 18 when they had my brother, they were doing the very best they could raising him. And I know in my heart that they have done everything that they've known how to do to be the best parents and they are the best parents. And so, you know, one person's struggle, you know, it's, that's their responsibility, you know? And so I can't put blame on another person. That's human nature to want to blame a person for something that's hurting us. But honestly, at the end of the day, my love for my parents trumped any kind of blame that I wanted to put on them. Yeah, That's that's great, Caitlin. And I think, too, part of the whole um, grieving process, um, no matter how death appeared, um, anger is a part of it. Blame is a part of it. So to say that at some juncture, you might not look sideways like, "Mm -hmm," you know, at somebody that that's going to happen. That's probably normal. Now, living there, Mm. you know, and camping out and creating a whole narrative around you know, and, and, and to label an individual or a person or a family um, as total blame um, is really unfair yes. because the Lord's made each of us independent agents of yeah, ourselves, right. you know. Right. And Miss um, Courtney, can you speak to, because even though there may be varying degrees 
of signs and symptoms, would you say as a professional that the, the base bottom line is that um, attached to suicide is, is a mental health issue? Yes, um, I would say that. And also I would say um, it's very imperative that if you see the signs of sadness uh, for long periods of time, if you hear them talking, um, like in a sense of hopelessness, uh, things of that nature, I would encourage you to please um, contact uh, an agency, um, a mental health agency. Um, but what, what do you do when, like what Caitlin said, that her brother, he refused, yeah. um, he wouldn't go, mm -hmm. and then, you know, there's laws, you know what I mean? Especially once you're a certain age, mm -hmm. um, they can't just, you know, sign you up and drop you off. Right. Um, when you're, if you're a minor, I think you might could, mm -hmm. um, but then even to a certain degree, but I think there's still, um, there's just certain laws that, yeah. you know what I mean? You can't just commit somebody against their will. I right. mean, what does that look like? How do you get help to somebody that's fighting yeah. the help that you're, you know, trying to give them? And so that's when sometimes you have to get another agent involved, and, and that could be uh, calling 911, your local police um, station, um, getting them involved to, to actually use their strategies, their techniques to get them to print like a place like Brentwood Hospital uh, agencies of that well, sort. Well, let me ask you this, because if you're watching and you may be like me, um, you think to yourself, you know, if I report myself, if I check in, if I go to LSU, the eighth floor, or to Brentwood, um, I'm never getting rid of this. This is going to follow me on my job. Yeah. This is going to follow me. Everywhere I go, there's mm -hmm. going to be a record that says mm -hmm. that they have a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. um, what, what would you say to someone that may be thinking that? That is confidential information. Okay. So that um, any agents agency or organization that's involved with mental health, um, they cannot release that information. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it can and, be released. And that's kind of strange because even when you see um, someone shoot up schools mm -hmm. and they go in and they terrorize malls or whatever, then the doctor that they were seeing, they might have been under mental health care. Mm -hmm. We can't talk about that. That's personal information. And sometimes that make me so mad. I'm like, they didn't tore up everything. Right, right. So why can't you say? Right, what the issue what was. What the issue right. was so we could prevent future right. things yeah. with happening with someone else. And you're right, because they really, really, yeah. really keep that disclosed. Unless there's a signed release of information. Mm -hmm. um, signed by that client, mm -hmm. or uh, if it's a minor by the parents, mm -hmm. then uh, we can. That's called coordination of care, you know, with the schools or other agencies or their um, primary care physicians, things of that nature. But other than that, your information is sealed mm -hmm. um, due to HIPAA compliance. Okay, but we know people break HIPAA. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just keep it one hundred. Right. Let's keep it one hundred. Yes. People break HIPAA. Yeah. Um, and so, but what? But what's most important? I think what we want you to hear today is is that um, don't be afraid of the stigma because yes. your life and who you are as right. an individual and who you are in the lives of your family and your mm -hmm. friends is way more important than any you know paper trail mm -hmm. or any stigma. And and I think we also want to take away the, the shame and the embarrassment yes. um, that about having self-loathing or having um, insecurities or fears or anxieties or being in chronic pain. Um, and because unless you've 
experience chronic mm-hmm. pain, whether it's bodily chronic pain yeah. or emotional or yes. mental bodily pain, yes. um, you don't know the extent of what that feels like mm-hmm. every day, 24 hours, mm-hmm. um, that someone might feel like, well, my life is better off mm-hmm. if I'm not here, yeah. or I don't want to live my life this way. Right. And so they choose to make you know, that life-altering um, decision. Um, but it's so important that we make it, um, we create spaces where people can feel, feel safe, safe. Right. and they don't feel condemned. Because right. I think sometimes that's why people don't come and say, I'm struggling mm-hmm. in my mind because they feel like they're going to be judged or you don't have enough faith. Right. But we have to stop that. We have to surround ourselves with a community of people that will make us accountable and that will help us in our time of, you know, mental struggles or we going to, you know, going through different things in our lives. Yeah. Um, There's a scripture in Romans 8 and 38, and it says, I am convinced that nothing can Mm -hmm. ever separate us Mm -hmm. from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the power of hell itself can separate us from God's love. And I I thought of that scripture because a lot of times you were talking about having uh, the conversation that we have to have about suicide. And a lot of times what happens is people don't want to talk about it because, you know, the, the, the cat that's in the bag is, you know, well, they died. Where did they go? And most people and believe in eternity Mm -hmm. and they believe in a destination. And if you're Christian, you believe that, you know, when you to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord Mm -hmm. and that you're going to a place um, that he's prepared for you, Mm -hmm. according to the scripture, and that you're going to be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so now there's something that's happened that's tragic Mm -hmm. There's something that's happened that no one has expected to happen. And. And whether they say it verbally, they say it through their emotions, through their silence, through their movements. You know, who's going to say it? What happened to them? But who's going to say when the Bible tells us that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners? He came. But and then if that would happen and someone kills themselves, do we really think that the God of love, our God, who came for us, who sent his son, that he would judge us because we were mentally impaired? Because we couldn't make that decision because we weren't sound. We kill ourselves. Everybody said, well, they're going to help. Not the God I know. Because he has taken into account that time. I can't make a sound decision in my mind if I'm prepared to kill myself. I think our God, our God will understand that and he loves us and he he saw that. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, And from the perspective that he saw it, I think it's it's one of those questions that um, it's really it's not our job to have the answer or to be definitive, because um, theologically, there's there's people have um, disagreed. Yes. um, And I think it's one of those questions that um, we have to. Um, say, well, we know the Lord says don't murder. Well, does that mean don't murder myself or does that mean just don't murder other people? How does that apply? And then again, I go back to the scripture where it says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. 
And there's certain some areas that we have to completely trust yes. if you're watching that we have to completely trust in the grace of God. Yes. And that, like you said, that mm -hmm. his love for That's us right. and the fact that he would sacrifice his own life for us mm -hmm. while we were yet sinners, right. that that same love has the capacity to do beyond what our minds right. or our hearts could ever think of on our own. Yes. And so it's okay to say, you know, I don't know. Yes. Right. But this is what I trust in. Right. Yes. I trust in the grace yes. of God. Yes. I trust in the mercy That's of good. God. That's you know, good. I remember when our nephew passed away and it was so heart wrenching. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband had to preach the funeral. And I just thought to myself, what is he going to say? Mm -hmm. What it just how is this going to go over? Yeah. And, you know, I one of the things that I've learned as being a pastor and a pastor's wife is, is that funerals are no matter the, how that person passed funerals accomplish two things. They're either, they're there to accomplish the remembrance of that person that passed. And then they're there to comfort and to speak to the people that are left about their purpose yes. and what will they finish? That's because good. now um, the, the Bible says, let the dead bury the dead. Mm -hmm. This person has entered into their eternity. We, there's nothing, we can't change it. That's right. We can't change no outcome. Mm -hmm. um, whatever that outcome is, we can't change it. So what we can change is how we can affect the people that have left, That's right. the people that they've left behind. How can we help them to get through, you know, and to finish mm -hmm. whatever that person um, left for them to finish. And, but this was different mm -hmm. because it was a suicide. Mm -hmm. And, and, and everyone's sitting there mourning and everyone's wondering, you know, what is he going to say? What is, how is he going to fix this? Right. Well, it's not his job to fix it's it. Right. That's right. It's his job to preach the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so I watched my husband eulogize his nephew who he saw come into the world mm -hmm. and we saw grow up mm -hmm. and we cared for him and loved on him and just saw him. He was in his 40s when he passed and he left behind beautiful children, uh, lawyers and business people. And just and you just sit there and you think, wow, why? Mm -hmm. You know, and they say that people, when they pass through suicide, they're not thinking That's right. about their loved ones that they're yes. abandoning. They're just thinking about getting away from the pain. pain. They just yeah. want the pain to stop. Yeah. And I, I saw him just, he preached a beautiful eulogy, but the, the eulogy was formed in such a way of a question mark, mm -hmm. which was, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What choices will you make? Yeah. And because, again, his nephew had already made his final proclamation. There was, there's nothing we can do about his proclamation. What we can do is help his children, That's right. you know, and help those that, that are left. That's right. And I think it's the same thing when we're experiencing suicide as a society. Yeah. It's not our job to give cute answers, mm -hmm. to clean it up and make it look comfortable. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you say, Courtney? Yes. It's, it's not our job to do that. No. <laughs> it's our job, to, as even as a therapist, is, is to provide... Um, avenues of resolve of questions right. to help people come to what what's the pain that's that's nagging at them mm -hmm. 
what's causing the self-loathing, what's causing the anger, to help them to find the answers to that and to live in a way that they can live with it. That's right. That where it's not self-destructive. You know what I mean? And so let's continue um, to talk about suicide. Let's continue to create safe spaces. Um, I want to thank Caitlin for sharing with us your story and about your family and how God um, grew your family, healed mm-hmm. your family, and how you all are now able to help other families yes. um, walk through the journey of suicide. Thank you, Miss Courtney, for being here and helping us. Thank you for having me. Yes, <laughs> we'll have you back again. Absolutely. So we want to also say to you that uh, nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate you from God's love. Be encouraged. Seek help if you need help. And we're always, as sister friends, here for you. Thank you for joining the conversation today. We learned just how far-reaching the impact of suicide can be. These are challenging times, my sister friend. So many are feeling a sense of hopelessness. But we want you to know that there are a lot of resources available to you in your crisis or as you're struggling. And if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, you need to know that there's people out there that can help you. If you personally know someone who's struggling, please encourage them to get the help that they need. Join the conversation next week as my sister friends and I open up more dialogue on relevant conversations. Check us out on all of our social media platforms. Don't forget, Something to Sip On is next. Welcome, this is something to sip on. And so today uh, was a very uh, thought-provoking conversation about suicide. And what I want you to sip on is is that God's love and his uh, compassion for you is so deep and so wide, your brain can't even truly comprehend it. Yes, 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 that's good. I would say, you know, the Bible tells us who mind is stayed upon him, he will keep in perfect peace. Mm -hmm. Reach out to God. He loves you and he has already made provision for your pain. Mm. He's already made provision for your pain. pain. Courtney, what are you sipping on this week? What I'm sipping on is crisis is temporary, but death is permanent. When you feel yourself in a crisis, reach out. Don't be afraid. Someone is there to support you and to help you. Absolutely. Thank you, Miss Courtney. Caitlin, what do you want to sip on this week and tell the people they need? Yeah, just be present with your friends and family in conversation. Look for those identifiers that we talked about. Courtney, um, let us know on. Um, if you notice a friend or family member just not acting like themselves, um, just reach out to them. See if there's anything you can do. See if there's anything that they want to talk to you about. Absolutely, because you know what? Suicide is not a dirty word. You know what I mean? And it's not a shame word. It's really a cry for help. And so anybody that you love, you wouldn't want them crying out for help and you not try to respond. And so let's, let's just remove the shame. And if you need us, inbox us. If you're having thoughts or anxieties, especially in this pandemic time, inbox us. All of our information's on the screen. Um, Each of our names, Ms. Courtney is a professional Mm -hmm. uh, counselor. She's got a master's degree, so she has mastered it. (laughs) And uh, myself as a pastor 
and um, we're here to help you, Ms. Catherine. Um, as a community leader, she's a uh, director at uh, the Care Parenting Center. Care Parenting Center. So she's helping young women all day, every day, as well as an ordained minister of the gospel. And Ms. Caitlin Redding is over outreach and um, education with the Care Pregnancy Center. Um, yes. So yeah, I talk with girls all the time about just different struggles. Right. So we're here to help if we can. So reach out. God bless. <laughs>